welcome back to the podcast or if this is your first time here then thank you for joining us this is the doula's guide to with me the dungaree doula i'm sorry that we've been away for a while i had a massive issue with getting the podcast up on um, amazon and apple podcasts but it's finally sorted so wherever you're listening to this thank you for tuning in if you haven't listened to the first couple of episodes and would like to know more about me, then go and check out episode one for a little introduction and a big chat on hypnobirthing. And episode two for everything you need to know about building up a positive birth mindset. And episode three for the lowdown on the stages of labour. This episode is all about how to choose your birth space and tailoring the environment. So we'll discuss your options for where to give birth, how to decide which one is right for you and how to optimise the environment to enhance your birth experience. I hope that all of you lovely pregnant people find it incredibly helpful and that you can utilise some of the stuff that we talk about in this episode. So welcome and enjoy. So birth place is something that most of us don't even consider really. Um, we get pregnant and just assume that after about nine months we'll head to the hospital and pop our babies out and it's not something that we need to think about. It's not something that we even have options over but actually you can give birth wherever the hell you want within reason. Although I mean if you're about to give birth you're about to give birth regardless of where you are. There's not much you can do to stop it. So sometimes you'll be dead lucky and your midwife will raise birth place options with you at your booking an appointment. So that like very first incredibly long appointment that you have somewhere around the 10 week pregnant mark. Sometimes midwives will um, speak to you about your options at that appointment. Occasionally they'll ask if you've considered where you're going to give birth and, and let you know about the different options that are available for you in your area. But for most of us, it's even not asked at all or I just asked which hospital we'd like to be under for birth. So I know that in Leeds, where I'm based, that a lot of the time, midwives will just ask, do you want to be under Leeds General Infirmary or Jimmy's, which are the names of the two big hospitals in the town centre. They rarely expand on that or even suggest that you should go away and do your own research or anything like that. So there's no wonder that so many people have never heard of a midwife Leeds unit or they think that people who have home births are just like mad hippies. <laughs> I read a report recently put out by the NHS, which was about how to increase the number of births taking place in midwifery-led units. It referred to a maternity services survey, which found that across the whole of London, less than half of women were not offered a choice of giving birth in a midwifery-led unit, and only a quarter of women were offered the choice to give birth at home. And it, it just doesn't make sense to me. So hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll see that there are absolutely ton of incredibly good reasons to choose a birth place that suits you and your needs, as opposed to just heading down to your local hospital without giving it a second thought so first of all what are your options well you can have a hospital labor ward birth um as we've just mentioned so the stereotypical clinical hospital room with a bed in the middle and some medical equipment and sometimes your own bathroom if you're lucky this is what we've just accepted as the standard place to go and give birth in the uk the where the majority of the midwives are stationed and the where the majority of births in the country took place so in fact over 90 percent of births in the uk in 2020 took place in a hospital labor ward it's just it's just the standard 
But also just consider this, it's the only time that we head into hospital when we're not sick. There's not a medical reason to be there, so why are we in the hospital? We also then have midwifery led units. So these can either be part of the hospital or completely separate. They're usually part of the hospital and these are called attached midwifery led units or alongside midwifery led units. But if they're elsewhere, they're referred to as freestanding midwifery led units. Freestanding units are closing at an alarming rate at the minute because we just don't have the number of midwives to staff them, unfortunately. So even though they are attached to the hospital physically, they're still staffed by NHS midwives. So you're less likely to be offered these as an option because they're few and far between nowadays. The ones that are left are rarely open at the minute, which is a huge shame. They're a great option for people who don't want to birth at home, but equally don't fancy stepping into the hospital. But yeah, we just, we don't have the staff for them. Hopefully, if the midwifery staffing crisis ever gets sorted out, they'll become a viable option again in a few years. But we do seem to be a long way away from that with the state of the system right now. Attached midwifery-led units, however, are becoming more popular and they tend to be seen as like a midway point between the home birth and a hospital birth. And of course, that's not strictly true. They're still part of the hospital. But when we talk more about them in a second, you'll see why we tend to think of them in this way. And finally, giving birth at home, either as a straight up home birth with a midwife attending to you or as a free birth, which means free of medical professions, free of medical assistance. So it would just be you and your chosen birth partner. Both of these options are completely valid and completely legal choices. Home births made up just 2.4% of all births in 2020, which is a tiny percentage. But hopefully with the rise of things like hypnobirthing and people becoming more informed through birth preparation courses, people will start to learn more about home birth and start considering it as a safe and valid choice for their births. And we might start to see a little increase in that statistic for those that it would suit. So now we've talked about your options of where you can give birth, I want to give you the run through of the main pros and cons to each birth place and what sort of thing you might want to consider to help you make choices about which space would feel right for you because pregnancy and birth is not one size fits all. What feels right for you will be completely different to what feels right for me, to what feels right to the next pregnant person and so on and so forth. It's completely personal. So I have no hidden agenda here. I know people think that doulas tend to be pushy towards her birth um, and I'm not going to lie, I do love a home birth. I've had one myself but I've also had a hospital labour ward birth and that was using hypnobirthing as well that was a completely informed decision to give birth on the labor ward so I do not push any of my personal views on you at any time I'm just going to give you the unbiased facts um, and help you to figure out how to figure out where you would like to give birth so let's get on with doing that and apologies if you hear me sniffling throughout this I'm recording it from my sick bed I am full of cold but I really wanted to get that out there I really wanted to get back into podcasting so there might be a few sniffles throughout it I'll try and edit them out afterwards so before we start my first little tip is to pause the podcast in a second and think about what your gut instincts tells you about where you'd like to give birth with all of the information that you currently have Maybe you've listened to the previous episodes of my podcast so you have a little knowledge of what makes birth work. Maybe you've been doing a hypnobirthing course or maybe you're going in completely blind. But regardless, just pause the podcast in a second after this sentence and have a little think and come to a conclusion about where you would most like to give birth. 
we'll do this again at the end of the episode and I'd be really interested to hear if anything has changed, if anything in your mindset has shifted. Let's start by talking about hospital labour ward births. So as we mentioned, this is the standard. And like I said, it does seem a little weird to me that this is the default because once you understand how birth works and what you need to birth efficiently, for example, um, the environment conducive to a straightforward birth, it seems that a clinical, bright, loud and observed space maybe isn't the best place for a lot of us to give birth. If you've listened to the previous episodes of the podcast, you'll know that for our uterus to contract efficiently, we need, amongst other things, um, a shit ton of the hormone oxytocin. And we get this hormone oxytocin when we feel calm, when we feel unobserved, when we feel safe. So three things that for most of us, a hospital environment doesn't really represent. Oxytocin also thrives in darkness, in quietness, when there's peace. And again, these things are just not really synonymous with a hospital environment. However, this doesn't mean that it's not the right place for everyone. For some people, it's not only the right place for them, but it's the necessary place for them to give birth. So let's chat about some of the pros to giving birth on the labour ward. First and foremost, if you or your baby have any health issues which require medical assistance before, during or directly after birth, then the labour ward is 100% the right place to be, isn't it? It's where we have access to doctors and medical equipment at the drop of a hat. And if this is you, I don't want you to listen to this and feel like you're screwed into not achieving a straightforward physiological vaginal birth if you need to be on the labour ward. Because there are loads of things we can do to modify the environment to help us to create oxytocin in abundance to help things flow as they should. So we'll talk about that in a minute. So please don't be listening to this and thinking, well, I know that I have to give birth on the labour ward. So does that mean that I'm not going to be able to have all of the other things that I want? Because it doesn't at all. Some other pros are having access to all of the pain relief that you can imagine. So we have an episode coming up all about pharmacological and non-pharmacological pain relief options. So I won't go too much into it now, but it's worth knowing that if you want or require an epidural, then you need to be on the labour ward. This cannot be done anywhere else so that's definitely a pro because there's some people that just know that they 100% want an epidural or that they would just feel best knowing that it's an option if they choose to have it during giving birth and finally a really important reason you might want to give birth on the labour ward is because that's where you feel safest this is such a valid consideration when choosing your place of birth where do you feel safest because no amount of statistics or hypnobirthing or birth preparation is going to override your instinct and it's not to say that these things won't change your mind because of course doing the research and the birth preparation may demonstrate the safety of other options and substantiate where it feels right for you but if you've done the research and you've heard the statistics and you feel really prepared for birth but in your gut you know still that you'd feel most relaxed in the labour ward then that is the right place for you your, your intuition knows and if you think back to the episode on building up a positive birth mindset, um, if you haven't listened to that yet, then go ahead and listen to that next. But our subconscious, it triggers a nervous system response, a nervous system reaction to any choice that we have to make based on how we perceive something and what we've got stored in our subconscious. So if we perceive the labour ward to be a place, a place of safety for us and we don't have any worries about it, then we go into labour 
and we head to the labour ward and we're going to trigger a nervous system response known as the rest and digest response. So it's going to create a sense, a feeling of calm where the oxytocin hormone could just flow really freely to stimulate our uterus to contract. I hope that wasn't too convoluted. I kind of went off on a bit of a tangent then. But basically, I'm just trying to say that if the labour ward feels right for you, then it's right for you. So trust your instinct. Of course, there are some cons to birthing on the labour ward. There's pros and cons to all birth places. So some of the cons are people who have negative associations with hospitals, maybe for personal reasons or just because they're not always the nicest of places to be, then you're going to want to avoid them because your nervous system response will be fight or flight. And this is not conducive to a straightforward labour. The, the fight or flight response inhibits oxytocin being created, which is going to slow things down or stop it altogether. Giving birth on the labour ward also increases the risk of intervention, so things like epidurals, episiotomy, so this is where the vagina is manually cut open, assisted deliveries such as forceps or ventus, and of course cesarean sections as well. And finally, just anecdotally, you may find that the midwives on the labour ward are less on board with things like hypnobirthing or just seeing physiological vaginal births. You tend to find... This is because the majority of the labours that they do see day in, day out do end up being more intervention-led um, or they tend to be more inductions. And because the midwives who tend to be more holistic or are bored with things like hypnobirthing, they've chosen to work in midwife-led units or within the home birth teams, so they're not seeing the sort of births that we might be aiming for. This is not always the case though. I personally have supported clients giving birth on labour wards as a doula. I've worked alongside some incredible midwives who were totally supportive of using hypnobirthing and having completely straightforward hands-off labours and births. With all of that being said, I'm not here to influence your decision, as I mentioned at the beginning, just to give you the information to make the decisions that are right for you. So what I will do is I will leave some more information on the statistics and the risks of each birthplace in the show notes if you want to go away and do any further reading after the episode. If you do decide to birth on the labour ward, then there are two things that I really recommend doing in order to boost your chances of getting the birth that you deserve. So those things are getting the environment right, and having a solid birth plan. So just because you're on the labour ward doesn't mean that you have to give birth laid on the bed in bright lights with loads of people around you as we so often see on TV and in the media. Most labour wards have pools so you can request a water bath if you wish but if not then learn about active birth position and utilise what you've got in the room so you could lean over the bed you could use a bath ball you could lay on your side if you're tired you could go on all fours just move in ways that your body tells you to and let it be your guide you could dim the lights to enhance the mood and the feel of the room you could take things like led tea lights or fairy lights in stick up affirmations or photos on the wall just for like a happy little oxytocin boost you could have music on through a speaker or through your headphones you can make the space feel more like a home from home it doesn't have to stay looking like a typical hospital room so just personalize it make it look how you want it to look take as much stuff in with you as you want the midwives will not be bothered you could take a suitcase full of stuff if that's going to make your birth better and secondly, have a solid and informed birth plan. So make sure you've been through every scenario and you know where you stand on it. 
Do you want vaginal exams? Do you want monitoring? Who do you want in the room? What pain relief would you consider? How long are you prepared to push for? Think about all of these things in advance and have them written down so you don't have to think about them whilst you're labouring because a lot of these things will come up if you're giving birth on the labour ward and you don't want to end up being coerced into something that you don't want. So once you've got all of these things down, then it's vital that you go through it with your birth partner as well to make sure that they know exactly what you want and that they're prepared to advocate for those things for you as well so that it's not all on your shoulders when you're trying to give birth. If you're not sure where to start with birth planning, then again, in the show notes, I'll pop a link to download a template for free from my website and you can fill it in with just loads of handy headers and prompts. So those are my top two tips for anyone choosing to give birth on a labour ward and they will really, really help you and they'll put you in a good stead. So if this is where it feels right for you to give birth, definitely take these things into consideration. So moving on, I feel like that was a bit of a long one, but I feel like we've got to have a nuanced discussion when we're talking about labour wards as there is a lot to consider and I really do want to give a balanced view of each birthplace. So next I'm going to chat to you about midwife-led units. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, these can be freestanding or attached, but for the sake of this episode, I'm just going to refer to them as midwife-led units. And I'll be mostly talking about attached midwife-led units because there's so few freestanding one lefts. So the midwife-led unit is often referred to as the middle ground between hospital and home birth. And this is because even though they're in the hospital, they're solely run by midwives. So you wouldn't generally have doctors or obstetricians or anaesthetists wandering around them. They're set up to look and feel more homely. So all of the things I mentioned taking into a labour ward to enhance the environment are already present on most midwife-led units. Um, a lot of them will have dimmable lighting. They almost all have pools. They have bigger beds. A lot of them will have things like speakers, uh, fairy lights, sometimes things like aromatherapy diffusers, just to make it a bit nicer, more comfortable. So especially if you spent a long time at home in early labour, then it's not such a stark change once you arrive at the midwife-led unit, which is really lovely for a lot of people who may not feel confident enough to stay at home but have no reason to birth on the labour ward. Another pro of using the midwife-led unit is the midwives who work there. So they'll have chosen to work in that setting, which means that they wholeheartedly believe in midwife-led care. It means that they trust birth, uh, they trust that it works, and a lot of the time they will just leave you to get on with it, unless of course you wanted any additional help or support from them. People who give birth in the midwife-led unit have a lower risk of birth interventions and the setting is safer than giving birth on the labour ward. So by safer we mean more likely to end up with a straightforward birth with no serious complications. Some other benefits to giving birth here are that you can transfer quickly to the labour ward should you need to and that you can access more pain relief options than at home in certain trusts. So it does depend, it's always worth checking with your trust, but generally you can have things like pethidine um, in a midwife-led unit. Midwife-led units are just nice. They're nice settings with chilled out midwives, and this should be the default option really. I'm not really sure why they're not regularly discussed with people as a birthplace option, or why a lot of people have never heard of them. There are some cons to using a midwife-led unit though. As I've said, you would need to transfer if you needed an epidural or an episiotomy or a cesarean and this can take time, especially if you're in a freestanding one. 
and they are NHS property, so you can be refused entry. So with home birth, you have a right to give birth at home regardless of your circumstances. But with a midwifely junior, you could be denied to give birth here if your trust deem it too risky, even if you personally disagree with that. My top tip here is that if you're being told that you can't birth in the midwifely unit, then schedule a call with the head of midwifery and try to get them on your side because nine times out of ten, the midwives telling you no are just following hospital policy. But speaking to the head of midwifery means that they will look at your actual individual circumstances and that's more likely to budge the guidelines to allow you access. So it's quite easy to sort this out. If you want to schedule a chat with the head of midwifery, you can generally just find the email address by googling head of midwifery and the name of your trust and just send them an email and tell them that you'd like to discuss your birthplace options. And finally, I'm going to talk about home birth. So that scary little nugget that people don't tend to talk about. Only it's not scary at all. So in fact, a huge, huge study by The Lancet from 2020, which looked at over 500,000 births, found that giving birth at home is as safe for first-time parents as giving birth in a hospital, and actually safer than giving birth in a hospital for subsequent birthers. So that means those giving birth for a second, third, fourth time, etc. So we hear home birth and we go, oh my God, not for me. What if something went wrong? But it's actually as safe, if not safer, to give birth at home than anywhere else. Remember, pregnancy isn't an illness. There's rarely a medical reason that we need to be in the hospital. And thinking about all we've banged on about oxytocin in this episode, and in the last few episodes too, to be honest, where are we going to create the most oxytocin? In our own homes? It's our own familiar, calm, safe space. We have our loved ones and our loved things on hand at any point. So, of course, that's going to be conducive to a straightforward birth. The Lancet study also found that even just planning a home birth means that you're 40% less likely to have a cesarean, 50% less likely to have an instrumental birth, 70% less likely to have an epidural, 55% less likely to have an episiotomy and 40% less likely to have a third or fourth degree tear, which are just incredible statistics. So home birth is a really valid choice and a really smart choice for a lot of us as well. It just makes sense the more you find out about it and the more you find out about how birth works and how we can help it along. Some other pros to having a home birth are you don't have to travel. So travelling in labour can be quite brutal and all of the work that you may have done to stay calm and relaxed and to cope with the sensations of labour can go completely out of the window once you step out of the door and have to travel into the hospital or the midwifely unit. And then when you do arrive elsewhere, you've got to do a lot of work to possibly recover from stalling your labour. So you're going to be struggling a little bit if you've got a journey that's anything more than a couple of minutes. You're also going to be dealing with a skilled home birth team should you choose to have midwives present. I'm not going to touch too much on free birth here as I have a whole standalone episode coming on it but obviously if you're planning a free birth this will likely be in your own home too. These midwives they see home birth day in day out they know how to best facilitate it and most of the time that's just by staying out of the way. And they can be a real source of encouragement when needed too. They trust the process and this can enhance our trust in ourselves. Of course, that can bring me on to the cons of home birth in that with all of the midwife shortages the NHS is currently facing, home birth services tend to be the first to go, which is madness because we know that people having home births make midwives jobs easier. 
they generally have less to do and they progress faster so we shouldn't be cutting the service but to ensure that there are enough staff on the labour ward they pull in members of the home birth team which can mean that even best laid home birth plans can get derailed at the last minute as you're told to make your way into the hospital or to birth unassisted which you may not have planned for or you may not feel comfortable doing. The main tip that I have for this situation is to really persist with demanding that midwives come out to you. Legally, midwives have to attend you at home and they should be going out of their way to find somebody to support you, whether that be calling in home birth midwives from a different hospital, um, having independent midwives on bank or taking someone out of the labour ward. So make sure you and or your partner are prepared to fight them on this to try and get somebody out if the situation arises. I would also urge you to look into free birth, even if it's not something you initially want. It can be really helpful to understand what might happen if you do end up birthing alone. So that if, for example, you're really far along and you won't be able to make it to the hospital, but the midwives are also not going to be able to make it out to you, that you would feel confident being alone or just with paramedics who you can, of course, call at any time if you feel the need, whether this is during a home birth or an unassisted birth. The other cons are, of course, the transfer time. And while the true emergency in home birth is rare, this is obviously still something to consider. The majority of transfers during home birth are due to maternal choice. Maybe they want stronger pain relief, for example. And in these cases, transfer time isn't really an issue, but could still impact the way you feel about home birth and if it's right for you or not. And I think that just about rounds off our chat about birth place. So now we're going to do that little exercise that we tried at the beginning again, and we're going to see if anything's changed. So in a second, pause the podcast and think about what your gut instinct tells you about where you'd like to give birth with all of the information that you have now. Do you still feel the same or has your mind changed? Maybe you're completely dead set on a place now, or maybe this has given you a lot of food for thought and you're compiling a list of questions to do further research on or to ask a doula or a midwife. Either way, I hope this episode has given you the clarity to either solidify your decision that you had to give birth. So that concludes our chat on birthplace and birth environment. I hope you all find it incredibly helpful and it's given you some food for thought. So go away now and start planning and get your birth partners involved too. As I always say at the end of every episode, they should be putting in the work as much as you are. You could even give them this podcast to listen to if you think they would be up for it. If you have any more questions, come hang out on Instagram where I'm at the Dungaree Doula and let me know if you enjoyed the episode. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please stick around, like, follow and subscribe or leave a little review if you don't mind. That would be so, so helpful. See you next week. Bye.